How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Right now in Options Action, the chart trifecta that is painting a gloomy picture for the economy and potentially the markets in the second half of the year, even as July starts with modest fireworks. Plus, the energy trade will drill into an old name in the oil patch and check out whether now is the right time to renew a bet on renewables. And later, searching for answers on Google on where Google goes next and taking your tweets. I'm Melissa Lee, live from the Nasdaq market site. This is Options Action on the desk tonight. Carter Worth, Mike Coe, and Tony Zhang. Well, stocks finishing the first trading day of the third quarter solidly in the green, but our traders are still seeing signs that have them concerned that the second half of the year may not may look a lot like a historically bad first half of 22. Mike, um, the chart that has you concerned is semis. Why? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is a pretty grim one. And, and, and actually, you know, we did finish up higher on the day today. That's not how we started out at all. Uh, first of all, we happen to own Micron and we do own some uh, Taiwan Semi as well. Those things were down five and six percent, respectively. And that's after these things were pretty beaten up going into the number. I have to give uh, Jim Cramer some credit because on Wednesday morning, uh, this is after these things had already been severely punished. Uh, he was saying that he thought that the Micron earnings were going to drag the sector a lot lower and that the story was even grimmer than the tape was telling us. And that proved to be correct. I think that's one of the things that this earnings season is going to tell us is that, you know, we think we've priced in a lot of bad news, but then the news just simply starts to get worse. Yeah, and get worse in a very short amount of time. I mean, the thing that we heard from Micron is we, we talked, they, they talked to investors at the beginning of June and then came out at the end of June with an updated outlook. And that seems to be the recurring theme here, Tony. Companies give guidance and then just weeks later, they come out and cut the guidance to say things got even worse. That's exactly right. It's really guidance moving, at least for me uh, right now for, you know, we've seen a lot of multiple contraction this year, but really going forward, what could drive the market significantly lower is that estimate revision lower. And for me, you know, when you look at the consumer, I think the one thing we really have to keep an eye out here is our energy prices. You know, the big, big uh, contributor to CPI right now are those higher gasoline prices. This is putting a pretty heavy weight on consumer sentiment. We just saw University of Michigan expectations index come out to the lowest reading we've seen since the 1980s. This is really why we continue to look for short exposure here in the market. All right, let's uh, get to Carter here. Uh, You're taking a look at technicals on a commodity that is giving you some pause about where the economy is heading from here. That's right. I mean, copper is, you know, referred to as Dr. Copper. It's sort of a shop-worn phrase, but it's important. It's a great industrial metal used widely, and it reflects robust economic periods as opposed to gold, which is a cautionary metal, if you will. So here's a chart of copper, no drawings, no annotations. The first thing to consider is, is this a double top? And you see here on the next chart that it is a double top. It's very well defined. The next chart, you can see that we've broken trend. And so let's look at one more chart. Where are we down to? We're not quite down to the level of support And my thinking is we will get there. That'd be at least another six or seven percent. Let's look at the copper gold ratio or the gold copper ratio. And so what you'll see here is, well, this is gold first, excuse me, and I should clear that arrow, because in fact, I think this 
is what gold is going to do. It's going to hold trend and go up. So gold sideways, copper down. Now look at the ratio on the next chart, and this is very important. It has all the elements of a bearish to bullish reversal, a gradual scalloping out, a bottoming action. And again, gold is the most recognized and time-tested safe haven asset in history. And it tends to be a barometer of caution, whereas copper is a cyclical asset that tends to be a barometer of all engines firing. And so when the gold-copper ratio is rising, it's a very uh, sort of defensive and warning sign for the economy. So let's look at miners. These are the junior miners. They're the most destroyed. And in fact, they have been like a pinball machine. They have been working within this channel almost perfectly. And what I'm thinking here is that we're going to move to the upside, whether it's M&A or whether it's just because, again, uh, this is a better time to be in gold than a lot of things. GDXJ on the long side. All right, Carter, thanks for that. Mike, what's the trade? Yeah, so I think an important thing to remember about uh, the miners, because, you know, we, we saw gold, uh, it has weakened somewhat here, maybe not quite as much as some people might expect. But if you're taking a look at the miners, you know, why have they come down so far? So a couple things going on here. Higher rates means a higher dollar. A higher dollar is usually not so uh, good for gold. Uh, of course, the miners, as we're thinking about them, they also face inflation. They benefit from it. Their end product goes up, but they also face inflation. They face inflation in the form of energy costs, in reagents, what they use in the mining process, and in labor costs as well. And the final point I would make is that gold is generally inversely correlated to real yields. And one of the things we have seen, real yields got uh, epically negative here, basically the first time they got down to levels like that since 1980, and they have bounced back. And yet gold hung in there a little bit. And I think that's a bit of a cautionary tale for us here. One of the reasons I think the junior miners are kind of interesting is they do actually trade at a discount as a group about 14 and a half times earnings relative to GDX, which is the gold miners that many people are probably more typically familiar with. These are smaller companies, but not necessarily small. The top five are probably between one and five billion dollar enterprise value businesses. Very high implied volatility on the options side. What I think we do is taking a look at that chart that Carter had. And we're basically seeing that that channel runs down to about 30. I was looking out to September at the 30, 34, 39 call spread risk reversal. Now, when I put these trades on, I'm typically looking to do them with essentially no outlay in premium. In this case, buying the September 34 calls, selling the September 39 calls, and selling the September 30 puts, that actually, at the last prices I saw, would result in a very small outlay of about 13 cents a share equivalent in terms of premium. The idea here is that you would get near upside exposure if we sort of languish and stay in that channel and it even bounces along the bottom down to that $30 level, that's essentially where you would get long. So it would actually have to break to the downside outside of that channel for you to take some long exposure. Also take a look at that channel and notice how far we've come. It's been a long, long way down. And that's one of the reasons why I'm using at least $5 uh, between the strike that I'm buying and selling. So I have some material upside if we catch a bounce here. Tony, do you like this trade? 
Uh, I do, and I think the most important thing to look at here is that U.S. dollar, the relationship between gold and that U.S. dollar, because in my opinion, I think gold should be quite a bit higher from where it is right now, potentially even at all-time highs if it had not been for the strong dollar. And if we look at right now, the rates market seems to be slowing. Uh, you know, we're seeing a bit of fading here in rates. We've seen a bit of a top here in the U.S. dollar, and I think this is the potential here for gold to start rallying. And not only are the junior gold miners cheap, trading at a relatively cheap value, Valuation, they're also a leverage play here on gold. So if we see a move here in gold, you're going to see a leverage magnified move here on GD, uh, GDXJ. And that's, that's why I particularly like this trade setup, especially using options. And using this call spread risk reversal, the thing to remember here is that what you're doing is you're selling a downside put and using the premium there to finance the 34.39 call spread and effectively getting that call spread for free in exchange for the obligation to buy the ETF down at 30, which is about 10% lower from where we close today. So I really like this trade structure for this bounce towards the top end of that range. All right. Well, from gold to Google, Tony's got a way to play the mega cap name if you think tech's troubles are here to stay. Tony? Yeah, exactly. I think the mega cap names are still vulnerable. I think there's some significant downside here for Alphabet. If we take a look at chart here for Alphabet, we've seen that this, the stock has already broken trend here back in April. And the stock quickly down, uh, declined about 20% after it, after it broke that trend line. However, recently over the past couple of months, we've seen a bit of a consolidation. I think now is another opportunity to potentially play for another leg lower. But I think the most important chart to really pay attention to here is Google, or rather Alphabet, relative to both the technology sector and to the market. And what we've seen here in both of these relative ratio charts is underperformance relative to the sector and relative to the market since October of last year. That really points us to where this is headed after this consolidation period. And I think if you look at the business, I think a lot of investors would potentially try to argue that now trading at about 16 times next year's earnings, this is relatively inexpensive. But if you consider the fact that I think what we've only seen so far is really multiple contraction. But what we really haven't really considered is the fact that EPS growth this year is going to be negative and 52 out of 53 analysts right now still maintain a buy rating on this particular stock. So if we see an earnings miss, if we start to see some EPS revisions lower, if we start to see some downgrades, I think this is the type of stock that can unravel very, very quickly. So the trade structure that I want to use is, is to play for this potential unraveling sim, sim, similar to what we've seen here in Meta. And I'm going out to August and I'm buying the 2100 2060 put vertical here. Because uh, Alphabet is such an expensive stock, the options are also very expensive. So using an out of the money put spread like this that cost about $15.60 for this debit spread, I'm only risking about 70 basis points of the stock's value to play for what is a sizable move here to the downside. Mike, you look like you're in deep thought there. <laughs> I could see a preview of all the traders before they're up on camera. So what do you think of Tony's trade? Yeah, first of all, I think a put spread makes a lot of sense. I mean, one of the things that you're bound to get is that because of the current valuation, because of the company's tremendous free cash flow generation, if you do get a downside move, it's probably going to be relatively modest. And also using that spread, as Tony pointed out, helps lower the sort of the cost of entry for making a bearish bet and also caps the amount of risk that you're taking in case you get the uh, direction wrong. And there's one other point that he made that I think is an important one generally which is that when everybody's on one side of the boat, that does present some risk. 
you know, I tend also to be among those that think that there might be some opportunities here to get long this stock sometimes simply because I think the valuation is compelling. But that means I'm on that same side of the boat as everybody else. And of course, if we're wrong, uh, the boat's going over. <laughs> So, Carter, tell us about the boat. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You do have to be aware of where everyone else is when you're in a boat, uh, especially a small one. Here's the thing. You've just heard why options are so important, because you have Google trading at a below market multiple and below the PE it was on its COVID low. And so just getting short has uh, some perils to it. And so doing it through uh, options, and in this case, uh, a put strategy, is really the only way to do it. Still to come, a two-for-one energy play, an old refinery name, and a new bet on renewables. The details next. And for everything Options Action, check out our website and our newsletter. Much more Options Action right after this. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Welcome back to Options Action. Check out crude rising more than 2% to start the second half of the year as major producers run up, capaci- run up against capacity constraints. It just highlights the fact that there is a lot of demand for old energy. And Professor Coe has a way to put oil to work in your portfolio. Mike, take it away. Yeah, you know, as we were looking at the G7 meeting, one of the things that became clear is that for all of the aspirations to try to move to other forms of energy, Uh, Petroleum is really where it's still at and is likely to remain for the foreseeable future. And, you know, if we go way back in time to probably the most famous oil man there ever was, J.D. Rockefeller, the business that he went into when he first got into it in Cleveland, Ohio, was refining. And that's actually what we're going to take a look at here today. Refining is really the downstream portion of the oil business. You can have the guys that are out there drilling and looking for oil in the E&P space, the midstream business is really the processing and the you, sort of the utility portion of it. We're talking about pipelines. And the downstream refining and marketing, this is what you're going and buying at the gas station. And there's only a handful of companies that do that. I like Phillips 66. And one of the reasons I like Phillips 66 is because they have a very diversified footprint, meaning that their sources of crude are well diversified. So they don't have a whole lot of basis risk. And this is a good margin business, and it's going to stick around for some time. And the other thing is, it's actually quite reasonably priced. Now, we can take a look at the more than nine bucks a share this company is expected to earn in the years going forward. But if you take a look at Robert Schiller's way of looking at company valuations and say, well, maybe the forecasts are not so good uh, and they're overly optimistic, we can also look back. If you take a look at the average EPS of this company over the past 10 years, you're looking at $6.10 a share. And the reason I look that far back is 10 years ago, the company was trading at essentially the same valuation that it is right now. That means that it's trading less than 14 times its average EPS over the last 10 years, and it's actually trading less than 10 times its forward EPS estimates right now. That said, I understand there's a lot of volatility. We can see that not that long ago, the stock was considerably lower. I think the way we can take a look at getting some long exposure here is by using a diagonal call spread. I was looking at the November 85, November, uh, August 97 and a half diagonal call spread, buying those November at the money 85 strike calls, selling the near dated August 
97.5. Net net, you'll be spending about $7, significantly less than the distance between the strikes. This is a way for you to get some long exposure. Also take advantage of the fact that at this point, with all the volatility we've been seeing in this sector and every other one, actually, uh, you can also look to collect some premium to offset the decay. Carter, what's your take on Phillips? Uh, I'm a buyer for a bounce, but uh, let's look at some charts. So for fun first, uh, that's a, these are weekly bars, 2018 to present, no drawings, no lines. Look at the next chart. Now, this is a great anathema to the CFA Society, the Federal Reserve Bank, to analysts and portfolio managers who don't look at charts. Why is it, how is it that this stock has stopped to the penny, to the penny, to the penny, to the penny, to the penny each time? Is it DCF? Is it enterprise value EBITDA? Is it price to book? It's nothing to do with any of that. So what it is, is this. It has stopped to the penny at these converging trend lines because charts matter and I'm not selling anything. Charts sell themselves. And what we know is this stock has just dropped, final chart, 30% down to the penny to the line that it has bounced off of over and over and over again. I think that warrants, therefore, the bet that it will do it again. Does it have to? No. But it's a good bet to make. All right. So it looks good, according to Carter. Uh, Tony, meantime, you're taking a look at a space in a different light. Uh, that's exactly right. I'm looking at the solar industry because we've actually seen a bit of a silent rotation into the solar industry looking for opportunities in the second half. This is one that I think is worth taking a look at. So if you look at TAN, the ETF for the solar industry, We've seen that you know this stock has recently formed a bit of a double bottom here around 57 after declining 55% from its September uh, from its peak of last year, and that happens to be the same breakout level that we saw in September of 2020. And what this indicates to me is that the the, the decline we've seen here in the solar industry is perhaps coming to an end, and now is that opportunity to potentially gain some exposure. But I think the more important chart here to look at is the fact uh, is the is a relative chart of tan relative to the market because despite the ETF not making new absolute highs relative to the market we've actually seen some breakouts here to the upside and that is the first sign that potentially investors are starting to step back into clean energy after really staying away from it for the past eight or nine months and then if you look at the industry I think as long as uh, you know energy stocks or energy prices rather continue to remain elevated the, the, it makes the economics of, of converting over to solar continuing to be quite compelling. So I think for the reasons uh, for that, I'd like to look at the TAN ETF and look at potentially selling some premium here because the implied volatilities here are quite high and there isn't a particular uh, catalyst for because this is an ETF and not an individual stock. So I'm going out to the August 12th expiration and I'm looking at selling the 70 and a half, 64 put vertical here. This allows me to collect here about 39% of the vertical with about two and a half bucks. And it gives me the opportunity to take advantage if the stock, if the ETF simply stays where it is. And if it declines a little, it actually gives me the opportunity to own this particular ETF at a little bit uh, south of about 4% discount from where it's currently trading. And this gives me long-term exposure towards the second half of this year as we're starting to see rotation into clean energy again. Carter, what's your quick take on TAN? Yeah, I like it. I think it has all the elements of a bearish to bullish reversal. All right, up next, we are hitting your tweets and answering some of your most burning questions. More options action right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. Our first one asks, 
Uh, two weeks back, you showed SPY charts filling the gap to the upside. Is that still a scenario on a bear market rally? So, Carter, what do you say? Absolutely. So that would be from Friday, June 10th, we gapped down. And that's at 401 or about 5% higher. I think that's in play. All right, let's get to our next tweet. It asks, what's in the charts for IBM? Tony, what do you think? So Carter's the one who brought this up about a month ago. Despite the fact that IBM hasn't broke out on a relative basis, we've seen it break out relative to the market and to the sector. I think IBM's continuing to head higher. What do you think, Carter? Uh, I concur. Okay. <laughs> Our next viewer asks, the XLU Utilities ETF broke under its trend line and recovered. Would you recommend a 70 to 75 call spread? Mike. Yeah, I actually do uh, like XLU here. And this is another one of those places where I think a call spread risk reversal might also make sense. Maybe a 65, 70, 75. Just bear in mind, you're going to have a uh, dividend in September. So focus on August instead. Our last tweet asks, on June 2nd, a trader bought the 50,000 snap July 15, $17 calls and sold 50,000 July 22, $17 calls for a 40 cent credit and $2 million credit. Uh, what is the strategy here, Mike? Yeah, so uh, when you're doing that, yeah, basically you are expecting a nearer term move and not a longer term one, which is curious because the company's actually gonna be reporting on or about the 22nd. This is a little bit more deep end of the pool type stuff. Usually for most people starting out with calendars, I prefer to buy the longer dated option and sell the nearer dated one. Carter, what's your take on Snap? Yeah, this is one of these things that's lost 85% of its value and it looks like it'll just wallow along the bottom of the pond. Oh, that's pretty clear. Up next, final call. the final call ahead of this long July 4th holiday weekend. Carter Braxtonworth, what do you say? Want to be long gold and short copper or use the small cap gold miners, GDXJ. Tony Zhang. Mega cap is vulnerable. I'm buying a put spread here in Alphabet and I see a rotation here into solar with TAN ETF. Mike Coe. Yeah, a lot of people are buying electric cars, but a lot of people are going to continue to drive the old gasoline-powered ones. I like refiners, and specifically, I like Phillips. All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. We'll see you back here next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Meantime, do not go anywhere. A CNBC special Crypto Night in America starts right now. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Go to cnbcmakeit.com slash courses to register now and learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course where experts share their secrets for a dynamic resume, coming across with confidence, what to wear, and more. For a limited time, save 50% with our introductory offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses.